We're doing part two this week of the Redeeming Love series. Redeeming love. Probably one of the most important, if not the most important subject in Christianity is the love of God and the love that God has. But I think too many times uh, as believers that we focus on showing that love to others before we have adequately received that love. And then we wonder why it's so difficult to allow that love to dominate us. Well, because Jesus said, the word of God says rather, which of course he is the word, that we can love because we are first loved. So I wanna talk today again this week about the love of God but the quality of the love of God, that it is a redeeming love, that it's the kind of love or it's the kind of force or it's the kind of power that actually purchases back and buys back and brings back what was lost and what was stolen and what was divided. That kind of love is not the kind of love that you think of when you think of... most even friends, or most even family. But this is the God kind of love. And when you study 1 Corinthians 13, verses four through eight, you know, love is patient, love is kind. I want you to study it this week. I want you to meditate on it this week in a different way. I want you to meditate on it, and I want you to meditate with the consciousness, this is God speaking about me, to me, about how he is towards me. In other words, this is how God thinks about me. Because the reason that you're not experiencing some of the things that you really would like to experience in this life here and now, the reason that you're not grabbing hold of some of these things is because really you're kind of in the way. And as soon as we let the love of God dominate us, That does not only include towards others. Of course, it means towards others. But if you're going to be effective at using and yielding to and partaking of that kind of love, you have to first eat of it yourself. You have to first receive that love before you can even give it. Now, if you are born again, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus legally. In other words, if you die right now, if you slip away, you're going to heaven. And right now, you have the very life and the very nature of God himself on the inside of you. And probably all of the nature of God can be summed up in God is love, in love. If you want to develop in spiritual things, if you want to develop in the things of the Lord, there is no spiritual development apart from developing in love, in agape, the God kind of love. Agape is the Greek word for love that we find in the New Testament. And it was uh, pretty much unheard of in the Greek world prior to the word of God being written because uh, they had uh, uh, eros love and phileo love, two different kinds of love. Eros is kind of romantic, sexual, and phileo is friendship love or parenting love. But you know, like the love of a mother uh, can be very selfish because, you know, or the love of a father. Let me not just pick on the mothers. Or the love of a father, like my daughter, like she's growing so fast all of a sudden. And I, I look and I say, Evie, like you need to slow down a little bit. Like daddy maybe's not ready for this. 
well, you know, that's like the love of a father. That's a selfish love. That's not the love of God. Um, but the love of God uh, looks at your children and you're thankful for every stage. And I am thankful for every stage. But I'm saying, you ever have that? If you have kids or whatever, you're like, oh, you're, you're, you're just like, just slow down a little bit. I just want to enjoy this moment. And so um, the Lord dealt with me. Uh, he told me I have to enjoy the moments because I like to get from point A to point B. And so uh, specifically with my children, he, uh, he told me, he said, all you have are moments. And uh, that really uh, set me free. I'm like, oh, that's really good. You know, because I'm always, I want to get to the destination and we'll, we'll do this with the kids. Uh, but now I enjoy the moments and uh, it's pretty fun. I want to look at uh, the first scripture I want to read is First uh, John chapter 3. First John chapter 3, we'll begin with verse 1. We're talking about the love of God, the redemptive love of God, and how God looks at you and thinks of you. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Think about that for a second. Let that rattle around in your mind and then let that settle down in your spirit. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. In other words, the way he thinks of you, what he did in Christ, he did not just to set you free, not just to bless you, but to bring you as close as he could bring you so that you're part of his family because he set his love upon you. He set his love upon you. Verse two, beloved, now are we the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we will see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Did you know that hope will purify you? Hope will remove impurities. You know, somebody said like, you know, I come from a faith school, Rama, right? Travel with uh, uh, some people call him like the father of the faith. The uh, Bible calls Abraham the father of faith. But Brother, uh, Brother Hagin was a modern father of the faith. Um, but you know, um, Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, if, it's, if faith is going to be the substance of things hoped for, well, that means that you're going to have to have hope before you have faith. So sometimes people will uh, try to bypass hope, and uh, well-meaning people will tell people, like, you don't have to have hope. If you have hope, you're not going to have faith. You're not going to have uh, your needs met because you're just hoping you're not believing. Uh, and so then they inadvertently, uh, accidentally uh, get people to give up hope, and then they have no basis on which to have faith. Because uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, if you've been born again for any length of time and you've been in the Word, uh, hopefully you don't struggle with hope because, um, you know, uh, you, you're just endeavoring to act in faith and to believe God and to trust God. But in the world or in different situations, uh, all of a sudden, despair will try to come all over you and hopelessness will try to come all over you and overtake your situation. And so first of all, you have to have hope, and this hope will purify you. So I was saying a minute ago, 
You know, there is, a, there is a legal side to what has happened, to our redemption, to our salvation experience, to being a new creature. In other words, if you're in Christ, you are a new creature. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. But I love how uh, the King James renders that. It says, behold, everything has become new. In other words, it's gonna take you seeing with the eyes of your spirit in order for that to actually affect your vital life. What is your vital life? That's real. What's real in your life? What's showing up in your life? What's, you could say, like what's manifested in your life, what you're experiencing on a daily basis. So you are legally a part of the family of God as soon as you receive Jesus Christ. If you accept him in your heart at that moment, you declare that he's your Lord, you believe God raised him from the dead, uh, you shall be saved. At that moment, you're saved after you confess it, not before because um, possession comes by confession. And so at that moment, you're born again. And you have the Spirit of God. He comes to live on the inside of you, and he will lead you, and he will guide you. But just because legally this is done doesn't mean that you're actually experiencing that in an everyday sort of way. And so the same thing is true of the love of God because, um, well, if we read over... Was it First John 5, 5? The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts uh, by the Holy Ghost. And so the love of God is poured into our hearts. But that doesn't mean that that's in an everyday way that it affects what we're doing automatically. You know, Brother Higgins used to say, these things don't fall on you like ripe cherries off of a tree. I don't know if he was from Michigan, but Michigan has a lot of cherries. And um, they have like cherry festival and all this other type of stuff. But um, I never experienced that with cherries, but I've experienced it with peaches. And so I went to pick peaches, uh, actually with Jeremy and Leah one time. I think we were there at the same time. I think. And then so I went to get the peach and you just touched the branch and it just fell into your hand. Like, in fact, you had to be real careful. And it was really sad because they were kind of extra ripe. And so if you, if you touched it, they would fall and splat, you know, just splatter on the ground. But in other words, you just kind of had to be there and barely bump it and, oh, there's peach. So you could put like your, your basket underneath and, you know, wiggle the branch and then you get peaches there, but you'd waste a lot of other peaches. So he, dad always said, dad Hagen, you know, uh, these things don't fall on you like ripe cherries off a tree. In other words, it doesn't come automatic, even though it's already purchased. But the thing is, it, faith is how you access the love gifts of God, or faith is how you access the grace of God. So faith is the pathway that connects you to all that God is and all that God has and all of his mercy and all of his love and all of his provision. Faith will connect you to that. But faith comes from the word of God or faith is awakened, like faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Uh, one of my favorite translations says, faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. The reason I like that translation is um, uh, some time ago, you know, quite a while ago, I guess, in my own thinking, I didn't have a, uh, as good of understanding of that as what I have now. And I probably don't have as good understanding now as what I'll have later because we're always growing in these things. And then I saw a lot of people uh, make a lot of mistakes because 
they start to get the mentality of, if I could just get more faith, if I could just get more faith, if I, it becomes like a, a work. Like if I could just, uh, if I meditate more, if I pray more, if I study more, then I'll finally, I'll finally make it. But the reality is uh, you never arrive because you could always pray more. You could always study more. You could always meditate more. I'm not doing away with any of that because all of that uh, creates a healthy spiritual life. But if that is what you are basing your ability to receive from God on, your faith is misplaced. So the reason I like that translation is, um, you know, the Bible talks about faith being in several different states. It even talks about a dead faith. So I like faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. Or you could say faith is made in active form by hearing the word of God. Like uh, I think I said it a month or two ago, talking about like um, if you're going to have a nuclear weapon, you have to first arm that bomb. In other words, you can have a nuclear weapon. They're now putting them on, I saw their, uh, this week they're putting them on F-35 aircraft now so that these fighter-bomber aircraft can get in quick and get out quick and they're going to have low-yield nuclear weapons on them. And you might think like, uh, you know, somebody just made like a sideways face, you know. <laughs> so you might think like, that sounded, that's dangerous. Well, you know, that, that would be dangerous if they were armed. But you know those nuclear weapons, which can cause uh, complete devastation in those particular ones in a small area. If they're not armed and they drop those things, nothing's going to happen except for it's going to put a hole in the ground because it's not armed, but yet it has the potential to change that place of the world. And so that's kind of like being born again, but not in a destructive way, in a, in a, in a life-giving way, that all of a sudden you actually have all of this power and faith arms that weapon. Faith awakens. It is awakened by hearing the word of God. Why is that? Well, if you don't hear until you heard about Jesus Christ, you could not even become part of the kingdom of God because that's how faith comes. And as, as soon as that happens, the Bible says, God has given to every man the measure of faith. But then Jesus told us, he said, you know, have the faith of God or use the faith of God or possess the faith of God. Well, that means what? Well, if he's telling us, grab hold of the faith of God or the faithfulness of God, well, that would mean maybe that we're gonna try to do this through natural human faith, or we could do it some other way, or, or whatever way, just through works and through anything else. And so he's saying, hold on, they're amazed, how, how did this fig tree wither? Like, from the roots. And he said, lay hold of the faithfulness of God. And then, of course, he gave Mark eleven twenty three 23 and 24. And so when we look at receiving from God, and accessing the grace of God, and specifically today, accessing the love of God towards us, we have to, first of all, look to God. We have to look to the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. So I'm gonna turn over to Mark, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I'm gonna start with verse Oh, you know, I'm going to start with verse one. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. 
For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, are going about to establish their own righteousness, having not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Belief is simply the active, uh, it's the verb for pistis, which is faith. So faith is like a noun, but believe is the verb. So everyone that believes. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which does those things shall live by them. Verse six, but the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say not in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what says it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, Christianity is called the great confession. In other words, it's the great declaring or the great speaking. Because why? Well, the way you first enter the kingdom is by your declaration, by your speaking. And so, uh, and what are you speaking? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Well, what does that mean when you say Jesus is Lord? Well, it means like Jesus is God. Well, yeah, of course it means that. Jesus is Lord. It means Jesus is Lord of all. Yeah, it means that, but what is all? Jesus is Lord. Well, Some translations say uh, Jesus is master. In other words, Jesus is ruler. Do you know that we are the body of Christ and members in particular? But Jesus is the head of the body. And so we are all parts of the body, parts of the body in submission to the head. Okay? So Jesus is Lord. And so in your life, in every area of your life, you may be a believer this morning, but that does not mean that Jesus is Lord of every part of your life. He should be. But I submit to you this morning, the reason that you're not getting results is because your view of Christ is not as complete as what it should be. Specifically, your view of the love of Christ is not all-encompassing the way it should be. Does that mean that someday you're like, you'll just know it all? Well, we'll know even as we're known once we're in heaven. But here on the earth, we're changed from glory to glory. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds through the word of God. But if Jesus is not Lord of an area of your life, do not expect to receive what God has done through Christ in that area. Why? Well, let me, let me give an example that hits most people right where they live. Worry. So if you're worried about something, uh, now, uh, I'll say, if I'm worried about something, just to make you feel more comfortable, if I'm worried about something, I cannot, I'm not, act, I'm not trusting God in that area. 
So if I'm, if I'm, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with this? I'm not, you know, I love the story from Reader's Digest where there's this uh, young boy that was um, a little mentally slow and he's out in the field with his grandmother and grandfather and um, a big storm comes up. Man, we've had some big storms lately. So anyhow, this big storm kicks up and they're way out in the fields and so they start running to get back and the storm overtakes them while they're running. And so all of a sudden, the grandmother and grandfather, they fall to their knees and they start praying to the Lord for mercy, like, Lord, help us, help us. And this, this little young man, um, you know, who was a, a little mentally slow, he just said to them, he said, what are you doing? A scared prayer ain't no account. In other words, you're full of worry, you're full of fear, and you're trying to go to God that way. You're not gonna get something from God because you're actually not trusting him. You have to like cast your cares, throw your cares, roll them over on the Lord, and then your faith is connected to him. In other words, you're saying, okay, Lord, this doesn't make sense to me, and uh, my flesh definitely doesn't want to give this worry up, but Jesus is Lord. So I'm going to make you Lord over this situation. I'm going to give you lordship over this situation. Well, so Jesus is master. And the way I like to think of that is uh, not only like in all power and in all glory, but you know that everything that was created was created by him and through him. So he's the master builder. He is the master architect. He is the master designer. Like if you want to like see like the best computer programs you could ever design, do you know the best computer programs ever designed came really from the wisdom of God through a man, through a woman, through a person? This building, all of the stuff that they have designed in here. Well, yeah, people put it to practice, but you know the principles and the wisdom which were used was the wisdom of Jesus Christ. To understand like engineering principles so that this, this, these beams could span this distance and not fall on our heads and to forge the steel that's up there uh, above the, the wallboard, and to forge all of that. In other words, Jesus is Lord, he is God, but he is the source of all information about everything. He is the master craftsman. I met one time, I was preaching at a church in uh, Saginaw, Michigan for a period of time. They were looking for a pastor and I was filling in. And uh, I met this man who had he retired maybe a few years before, and he was a master plasterer. Can you say it? Master plasterer. And he had done like some of the, the in Detroit, she had done some of the, the most intricate plaster work in all of their main theaters and all of this stuff. And so I loved talking to him because you find out all of these details. Or, you know, I have like some home reconstruction projects, a few right now in the middle of. And so when I talk to someone that actually knows what they're doing, <laughs> you're like, oh, well, I would have done this and this and this, and this is how I figured it out, and I was doing this. Well, so many times we do that in areas of our life where we're consulting ourselves, where you actually have, living on the inside of you, the master architect and the master builder. And what we do is... Um, if you don't initially turn to the Lord, that's why I'm so glad Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Because you know why? If he said it, uh, that is reality 
and it has power. So as soon as I, if I believe what he said, I can partake of it. Well, I'm so glad he said that because when you first seek him in any situation, man, it'll save you from a ton of mistakes, a ton of trouble, and it'll save you from becoming overwhelmed. Why? Well, when you don't seek him, you kind of like get the message in the doctor's office that there's something there that might be cancerous. And if you don't turn to him first, all of a sudden, these thoughts start to come. And those thoughts, uh, first of all, you think, oh, okay. You get a little fear and you're like, okay, well, I can handle that. That's the biggest mistake. And then all of a sudden, you get a little more, a little more, and then you go to your friend Google, and your friend Google tells you all of this other detailed information, and some of it really weird because it's, this is a blog that somebody came up with, you know. But then what happens is you're building a wall between receiving what God has already done for you and listening to what he said. You're building a wall where Jesus is not Lord in that situation over your body. In other words, he's not master. If you get this straight, do you understand Jesus, Jesus created the most intricate parts of your body, um, um, you know, and of your spirit and everything else. But I'm talking about your body. And so if Jesus is Lord in your heart, right? Believes where? In his heart. If Jesus is Lord of your body in your heart, if you believe that in your heart, well then, if the Lord of your body says that you are healed and you actually view him as, I, I just want to hear what he has to say about this specifically. I know he said this in the word. I know he said, by his stripes I'm healed. But in this specific situation, today, May, what is it? May 27th, 2018, I want to go to the master builder of my body. And I want to hear what he has to say because he is my master. He is my Lord. And then, many times you won't even have to go to the doctor. But the thing about it is, if the master says, go to the doctor, you should go to the doctor. Why is that? Well, you know, Brother Hagin uh, was a pretty feisty individual. And so he said to the Lord, he said, uh, Lord, if you said that I'm not believing, I would have to respectfully say you're lying. And Jesus said, well, you do believe as far as you know. What does that mean? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The word of God actually is the rhema of God. It's the word of God that's real to you or it's almost like spoken to you. You ever anybody say like, oh, I don't know if it was an audible voice or whatever. Uh, sometimes the word of God can be so real that it's tantamount to an audible voice. You know, the primary way he speaks is right here in your spirit. You know, when he speaks by the inward witness, if you're listening, it's, it's more real than an audible voice because it's in the realm of reality. And you're like, oh, no, I, do, I know. It's, it's those things that you say like, how do you know? You know, I don't know how I know, but I know I know. I just know. Like, do you doubt it? No, I don't doubt it. I know. Like, I have a knowing. It's not here. It's here. You know, and that's why you're trying to figure it out to tell somebody. You're kind of getting up in your head to, to try to explain it. And so Jesus is Lord. And 
Jesus needs to be Lord of every area of our life. If I, bought, if I brought a friend in here today and I said, you know what? Uh, I was supposed to have this special guest here today and they are like, you know, the master architect of, you know, defense weapons. And I want them to tell you about this, but, but they couldn't come. But they gave me a message for you. That is really the position of every believer with Jesus Christ, is that the master builder, the master architect, the master designer, Jesus, has given us a message for ourselves and for the world of the lordship of Jesus Christ, of his lordship in every situation, that it does not matter what situation that you're facing or what you're going through, if you allow the lordship of Jesus Christ to master that situation, you got it made. You have it made. And so, in order to allow him to be Lord, you have to understand his nature and what he's like. That when he looks at you, from the time he entered the body of that baby named Jesus, from the time the Christ entered that body of that little boy, he did not do it for himself. He did it for you and he did it for me. To the time he was on that cross, before he breathed his last breath, to the time he was in hell, uh, taking the penalty and then defeating the devil, he did all of that because he set his love upon you, because of how valuable you are, because of how valuable I am. And he didn't do this as soon as you started acting right. He did this before you were on the scene. The Bible actually says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so this is a love that uh, is not natural. It's not normal. It's not default. And the only way that you can act in this kind of love is you get born again and you receive it from God because this love is not of the world and the world is not acquainted with this type of love. And the world many times will even criticize this type of love because the world will say, you can't act like that. You can't, you can't treat them that way. They were so mean to you. They were so evil to you. Don't you know if you do that, like, you know, what they're doing is wrong and you're just gonna be siding with them and, you know, allowing them to do all this type of stuff? Because why? That's the man kind of love. That's the I love you based on your performance and I love you based on what you do for me and I love you based on how you make me feel. And so the God kind of love only comes through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You have that kind of love on the inside of you. And as soon as you begin to grab hold of that in your spirit, you will notice it's like planting a seed and watering it. Life begins to spring forth in that area. And it'll get bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger till you don't even remember how you used to think. And then when you approach a devil or you approach lack or you approach sickness, or you approach mental problems, you're so enthralled with how much he loves you. Because why? He's become Lord of your love life. And that means he's become Lord of how you view yourself. So that when it comes... Uh, 
to overwhelming, naturally overwhelming situations. I don't care what, it, what area of your being the natural overwhelming situation comes, whether somebody dies suddenly, whether uh, you're being attacked, whether your family's being attacked, whether your body's being attacked, as soon as you get a revelation of how much he loves you, that his love, this kind of love, verse 8, 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 4, uh, 13, verse 8, never fails. As soon as you become acquainted with that kind of love, it doesn't matter if all the demons in the world try to surround you because you're like, I am loved of him. The master has loved me and the master has set me free. And then you act based on the power that, that the knowledge of that love has lit up on the inside of you. And then you don't retreat from the work of the enemy. You don't retreat from the things of the devil because why? I am loved of God. God loves me. And that love will never fail you. That love will never let you down. And then you have solid ground to stand against any attack, anything that would come. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It's greater that he, it's greater is he that is in you. And he is Lord. Not, you're not greater than anything in the world. You're not the master of everything in the world. You're not a match for the things of the world. Except for when it's no longer you that live, but Christ lives in you. None of us actually are uh, amazing. That's not how I want to say it. I should say it. The reality is you have value beyond anything in this world. I don't care what it is. I don't care what kind of riches they are. I don't care what kind of knowledge it is. I don't care what kind of wisdom it is unless it's the wisdom of God. Your value far exceeds all of that. And the reason that you have value is because God set his love upon you. Because God chose to love you. So your value is not um, because of your education or because of your family pedigree or because of your finances or because of your job or because of your intellect. Your value is because God chose you and he set his love upon you. And he's the greater one that lives on the inside of you. So I just encourage you this morning, fall in love with Jesus all over again because Jesus is Lord. He is the master builder. He is the master architect. He is the one that designed you. He's the one that gave you your passions. He's the one that gives you a godly personality. He's the one that fashioned you. He has a plan for your life. But the only way that you can effectively fulfill that plan is through his lordship in your life. Let me say this. That's it. Uh, I may, you may find out, like, uh, in the natural mind, uh, natural way of things, uh, I enjoy um, analysis. So I enjoy analytical things. So that involves normally a decent amount of research. And so you research all of these things and, oh, you do this, 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 this. Well, you know, if I did not pay attention... 
analysis or research would be my Lord. What does that mean? That means I do not accept anything if I'm, if I'm in that, if, if, if I'm, um, I'm, I'm acting from that place. I will not accept the information if I don't get to analyze it, even if it comes from God. Jesus is not Lord in that arena because I'm not at rest or at peace and it's a fake rest and a fake peace or what do you call it? Uh, Not fake. It's a um, limited rest and a limited peace, temporary, temporal, like of the temporal world until I can research it and figure it out. So the Lord says, I want you to do this or go here or do that. Well, instead of just taking him at his word, I have to first research it all. Now understand what I'm saying. The Lord may say, I want you to go here, do this or do that. And I say, okay, whatever you say. And then he says, now you're going to have to research it and figure it out and do all this type of stuff. But you don't get the cart before the horse. So the lordship of Jesus over your life means he should be the Lord. He's the one that should call the shots. And then you can get his results. But if your filters through which you're hearing are your, you know, like... um, you have to see it for yourself, like Thomas. You're not going to believe unless you see it, right? Well, then you're going to be very limited in life. So, I'll end with this. Some people only have faith as far as reason will take them. Some people only have faith as far as reason will take them. What does that mean? Well, as long as you can figure it out, then you'll believe that's what the Lord's will is. And you will have a very limited life because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And they that come to him must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So in order to partake of all of the love and all of the mercy and all of the blessings and all of the benefits that God has provided for you, provided for me, Jesus has to be Lord of every area of our life. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, you've never made him Lord of your life. You've never confessed him as Lord and you'd like to. I wanna pray with you, I wanna pray for you. So if that's you, I want you to slip up your hand and we'll pray with you and see you in the kingdom of God. You cannot clean yourself up to come to God. You can try and work and do all that you can like the rich young ruler did, and yet he had one thing left. Jesus said, okay, if you believe you've done all those things, then I want you to take all of your money, all of your assets, sell it, and give it to the poor. Jesus didn't mean that you had to pay to come in the kingdom. But what he was saying was, your whole life has to be given over to me. Your whole life has to be given over to the kingdom of God. So this morning, if you've never confessed Jesus as Lord, if you've never come into the kingdom, I invite you, don't wait another second, don't wait another minute. God loves you and he has a plan for your life. And the first step to entering into that plan is receiving Christ. If that's you, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and uh, you were a part of the family of God, but you let other things slip in and drown out those things and you'd like to come back to the Lord, 
I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Raise your hand. And thirdly, if you're here this morning and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, I'm not talking about when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you at salvation. I'm talking about the fullness of the Spirit. When he has come, Jesus said he will speak. It'll enhance your life spiritually, make the word light up to you, bring light and revelation. If you don't if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've never received that experience, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Slip up your hand. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is full of life and full of power. Father, we thank you, especially this morning, we think about your love that you have given towards us and given to us. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that you would give us a divine revelation of that love. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being our Lord, for being our creator, for being our master, that you know us better than we know ourselves. Father, we thank you for all of your rich blessings, your rich benefits. We thank you most of all for that love, that with the knowledge of that love, we can do anything. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, we also want to lift up all of those uh, in our nation that have uh, lost family, friends, loved ones in the defense of this nation. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over all of the families, over all of those that have sacrificed for our nation. Father, I pray that you'd send laborers across their path, that if they don't know the Lord Jesus, that they could receive him and receive true life and true freedom. Father, we thank you for this nation and for this country. We pray for the leaders, the president, those in the Senate, those in the Congress. Father, that you'd give them your wisdom, that you'd give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation, those that are born again. And Father, that there would be a great awakening in the halls of the leadership of this nation. An outpouring of your spirit. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.